Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Today, I'm bringing you a true business expert and someone special in my life. His name is Sam Brenner, CEO of CRB Workforce, who knows a lot about workforce trends and owning your happiness. We talk about employee experiences, including how to be more fulfilled in your job, which career roles are in highest demand, reasons why people start interviewing, and the value of professionally dating, which means something different than you might think. We also discuss employer experiences and how leaders can attract best talent, keep them engaged, and build a culture that goes well beyond old methods of offering free snacks and ping pong tables in the office. One of my favorite parts of this episode is the leadership advice that Sam shares, which was told to him by executives he's worked for and with, including John Cushman of Cushman & Wakefield. I have one request, please, Share this episode with others who can benefit. Subscribe to Doing CX Right podcast for updates on your favorite channel and subscribe to my newsletter on Doing CX Right website. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Sam Brenner. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. Hey, Stacey. How's it going? Awesome, because you are here. And when my audience listens to who you are and why I'm super excited. They're going to understand. But let's start with who are you? What do you do professionally? Sure. Jumping right in. So I'm the founder and CEO of uh, a company called CRB Workforce. Primarily, we focus on staffing and, and recruiting. But We have a few service lines, uh, one of which is a consulting division where we build project-based teams for enterprises or startups, um, building out proof of concepts or or other general technology products. And I specifically, uh, day-to-day, end up doing a lot of strategy and and execution type work. Mm. And... I'll let the audience know up front that Sam Brenner is also my brother. (laughs) The the best brother. (laughs) I'm not sure that Ben is going to appreciate that. But yes, Sam is my brother. And that's why I am extra excited today. So Sam, with what you do professionally, why? Why did you get into this field? And I do want to preface that you left a very comfortable job in corporate at Cushman and Wakefield. That's right. Yeah. I worked about seven years at Cushman and Wakefield and and then made the decision to to leave. I went to Barcelona and and traveled Europe with uh my current now current wife. But you know, why did I get into recruiting initially? You know, it was it it really was all about money. Money was my motivation. It was kind of the litmus test uh, to, you know, this industry when when we moved back stateside and I determined, you know, what am I going to do next? It was, can I make money in in that industry? And I and I recognized that in recruiting, you can. So, you know, ultimately recruiting is sales. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that that my motivation being money and building out, you know, my my life, that 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 was 
going to be achievable. And um, and so that's kind of what's how it started. But you know, now fast forward, yeah, I don't know, 10, 11 years, you know, why did I open up CRB? Why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, yeah, the the money's good. I although I think I make far less being an <laughs> owner than a producer. But you know, for me, it's always been about effecting positive change in people's lives, changing the recruiting industry. There tends to be a negative connotation with with the recruiting industry. And so it's been exciting kind of repaving that path. And then, you know, the the industry also deals with a lot of entry level or junior candidates kind of breaking into their into their career, their path. And, and so I've always found it really fulfilling helping them kind of being that, you know, first boss um, and showing them, you know, this is what it should be. You're going to come across bad bosses, bad companies, but this is what it should be. And I, you know, I never expect anyone to stay with us forever. But, you know, the, the why, why do I keep doing it is really about helping people achieve you know, their goals, finding their paths. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So what's a fun fact that people might not know about you? I wonder if my team would say anything is fun about me. Let's see. Okay, this is good. Um, I'm an introvert. Um, No way. Yeah. Yeah, right? (laughs) Even you didn't know. Yeah, I'm a hardcore introvert. At the end of the day, I'm exhausted. You know, I I can turn the charm on, I can be extroverted, but at at my core, I probably should have been an engineer. Like if I never have to talk to anybody ever, I I'm I'm the most fulfilling fulfilled. My I always ask my wife, you know, uh Laura, I always ask her if I can have like the weekend you know, like I need to recharge after like four or five months of doing stuff and going places. I need that alone time. I need to recharge. And I found out maybe 10 years ago that I'm I'm a classic introvert. That is really interesting. We're going to have to talk yeah. about that after the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, let's get into the meat here. We're going through this great reflection or resignation. There's so many different terms for it. And candidates have a lot of options. So first of all, what is your perspective? Why are people leaving jobs at a more rapid rate than we've ever seen? Yeah, that's a good a good point. Good question. There's, I think if, if I think hard about it, there's a handful of reasons. I think there's probably three core reasons. One being culture to being this remote work dynamic but but I think probably the primary one is money and you know a lot of people may not be open enough to say that but I I think it's the reality and I think what you're seeing is candidates can stay at their current company they can they they might love the product they might love their boss but if they stay there they'll see anywhere from a 2 to 5% annual raise. And right now in the industry, we're seeing 10 to 20% salary increases when they change jobs. And so I think if 
if employees, if candidates are being responsible to themselves, to their family, it behooves them to take interviews, to see what their market worth is. And and so I think that the money piece is big. That's really what's driving them to the market, to taking the interview. And then, you know, ultimately what pushes them across is the culture piece. It's a better environment. There's better perks. And then, and then there's this remote aspect that we didn't have to deal with before, but, you know, companies that are demanding employees to return to office, you know, for, for a lot of people is a big turnoff. Mm-hmm. I think, I think five years from now, I think you'll see people wanting to go back in, into the office, but, you know, that toxic culture or push to return to the office will get, you know, will be that extra push for them to actually accept the role when they're facing, you know, I stay here and hope I get a two to 5% raise or I leave and I guarantee myself a, a 10, 20% increase. And and mm-hmm. I think companies really should start thinking about, you know, not just improving culture or creating remote environments, but but also about, you know, really reflecting on their current salary bands and preemptively giving people big raises and retaining people. I think that's a big opportunity area for a lot of employers is retention. They they can go out and 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 bring in all these new talented people at 10 to 20% higher than their existing workforce. But you know, they have to be aware that you know, they they need to retain. I have some friends that are so unhappy where they are and I said to them, "Listen, go professionally date." Yeah. Yeah. For- Try it on for size. Go professionally date. You still have your your partner. But you know what? You deserve to be happy. And it's also a slow process. So if you're even thinking about it, begin your journey. Have the courage to own your happiness. You know, professionally date. (laughs) Yeah. Look, my wife, Lau, Lau works for Netflix and and I've adopted this philosophy, but it's it's Netflix's philosophy that that she told me. And they encourage her to interview. Um wow. they they say, go out, interview. And if there's something you love, go for it. But if there's something we need to do to make sure you're happy, let us know. And you know, so I say it to my people all the time. Like I look, I don't get as many calls anymore in in my role, me personally, you know, but when I was producing, I got calls all the time and I took all of them. And it's important, you know, make the connection, talk to people, understand your worth and, and you know, always be willing to, to do what's right for you because the, the company will do what's right for them. I agree. At the same time, This is a tremendous opportunity to focus on internal retention. 100%. It it doesn't have to be this way. And I I just made a shift to a new company. And and I, I loved the people I used to work for. And that made leaving very hard. At the same time, I have a new family. Yeah, yeah. And that's natural, you know? I mean, people don't stay at the same company anymore. We're, it's a new breed of workforce and people want 
excited. Their technology and products are changing so fast and people want to work with different things. And, and you have to change jobs to expand. Yes. At the same time, I'm going to say now that I'm in a very important role at my new company, I am very focused on, and I always was, about employee and agent staff retention and their happiness and their engagement. So it's a mix between go professionally date at the same time with the other hat I have on. No, no, no. Let's talk. Let's yeah. let me know what matters to you. Let's figure exactly. this out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they don't if they don't have those convos, you know, if if you're not having the conversations with them, they're having it with someone else. So you're right. Yes. I mean, have them and be open, you know, and and we I tell all my clients, just be open to to listening. You know, that's yeah. that's the key. So what are the roles you're finding are what's the trend? What's the big the big opportunities yeah. now? Well, we tend to see big opportunities when there's low supply of of a candidate pool. And and I think number number one and number two are engineering and and products. So, you know, everyone we're obviously in the digital age and people are building new apps and products and and you know the the first part is you know what product are we building how what is it going to look like what's the roadmap and you know really smart business oriented product folks are in a huge demand and and so once those you know people cuz a lot of the really smartest smartest people in that space go build their own product right and and so the ones that are doing the execution for other companies are are tough to find and so I'd say that's kind of number one, and and really 1.0 is engineering the people building the product. You know, certainly there's there's data science that we're seeing a huge trend in in understanding data science and AI, but at, at the core, it's engineering. We we really didn't do a good job as a I'd say a country because uh, I think a lot of other countries have done a really good job at developing engineers uh, over the past 20 years. I think the U.S., I think we've got a massive undersupply of good quality computer engineers. And so we're seeing this rush to computer science programs right now. And and especially in in the you know, diversity realm, you know, the whole the whole world for that matter has has not done a good job at at building strong, diverse engineering talent but but we're seeing that rush right now which is awesome but companies aren't going to be willing to take chances on those candidates for the next 5 years so we're so that I think will continue to be an undersupply uh and over demand engineering and and product now customer experience is what I'm all about and what I'm on a mission to make every company absolutely understand it, embrace it, because it's a competitive advantage. So my question is, as you are filling these spots that happen to be a lot of product and engineering, how do you make sure that you're hiring really customer-centric talent? Yeah, it's, it's something that we think about quite a bit. You know, for us, there's, there's a handful of values that we live by, but but for us, I think the number one when we think about 
you know, how do we help our customers? And and customers for us are both candidates and and clients hiring. And and so for us, we have this mantra of it's it's all about the match. And that that literally is what guides us is is it a match? Find the match. So, you know, when we talk to customers, you know, we don't take all business. We say no to quite a bit. And primarily it's is it a match? And are we going to be the best agency? Does, an aid, does a client want high volume, low touch from us? That's not for us. We're high touch, low volume. And same thing for the candidates. You know, what candidates do we work with? Do they want to work with us? And so when we start with that and we start looking for the ultimate match of candidate matching with client, which is how we make money, you know, that's what we think about. Is it a match? Are they, are we having to sell the job to the candidate? Are we having to sell the client to the candidate? You know, if if we find ourselves doing that, then we're varying from this concept of, is it a match? And we're just trying to force things together. And, and so I think if we're looking at customer experience and we're, and we're finding good matches, then I think everyone walks away with like, I can't believe how great this is. The result is exactly what we wanted. They believe in us or, you know, the company believes in me. And, and so I think that's, that's how we stay focused on the customers, making sure that, you know, we don't sell, that we match. Mm. I like yeah. the match scenario and, and that makes a lot of sense. Now, in order to match, you have to ask the right questions. Yeah. So what are some best practices to make sure that you're really getting high quality, customer-centric talent that's going to stay for the long term with a, with the highest probability? What do you ask? It's tough. I mean, a lot of it is not necessarily, you know, what what you ask. It's really a lot of are they vibing with the client? Do they have they have they used the client's product? You know, things like that you start to get that feeling, but I think a good question that we've asked in trying to determine, you know, are they a match? Are they going to be customer centric is you know, let's say I'm at. Let's say I'm talking to a client, uh, a, a candidate right now. What I would ask them is, you know, let's say you're six months into the role, and executive staff says, "Hey, we need you to switch gears and work on something completely different than you signed up for." Primarily because we're hearing from the customer that we need this product feature. You know, what would your reaction be? And I think candidates that or customer centric will typically say that sounds great you know let's let's do it you know i'm excited to try something new xyz ones that i think won't be customer centric will you know resist they'll say well how much how much more money am i going to get uh you know or something that's not you know sounds great mhm i often will test for Things that are very clear to CX. So, for example, tell me about how have you measured net promoter score or customer satisfaction, either you or the people that you work with? Tell me about that. Give me an example. And I know right away if they don't even know what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. 
I probably need, we probably need to schedule another time <laughs> to where you can teach me the ins and outs. We place a lot of CX folks, but I it, internally within the company, you know, we send surveys out after, uh, and we all, you know, we generally get tens. I think we've had one nine, but, but I'm, it's so far above my head understanding NPS and, you know, and, and implementing it the right way. So I probably, I probably <laughs> need to, to call you after. <laughs> Absolutely. But the, it is important because you know what? Your clients, I bet, are measuring who you're placing for. They're measuring their customers' level of satisfaction, level of effort in doing business with them. So yeah, you have to know and ask the right questions so you position the right people too. Totally. So going back to work from home is a hot topic. You brought up before something very interesting that there is a trend that more people are going remote now, but in five years, it could change again. I personally believe that employee retention and happiness is around giving choice. When there's a physical location to go to, it's a possibility. I like hybrid. I like choice to feel empowered. What do you see, at least for now, is the trend, the preference of hybrid versus work from home? And also, do you find that keeping employees engaged when they're remote, I think your team is remote. Right, yeah. What, what's your advice on that? Um, well, yeah, I mean, in general, the trend, I, I do see, you know, the ability to attract majority of the best talent is going to be if you have a remote environment. Um, I think you're seeing companies be able to tap some of these, you know, small markets. We placed a guy a couple months ago who lives in, you know, this tiny town in West Virginia, and he's just an insanely talented engineer. You know that guy. That guy never works for a big company that has an on-site culture. You know, historically, now you're seeing this access to to new talent, and I think, you know, eventually people are going to grow uh, tired of not having that interaction, or or I should probably say extroverts. I personally don't think I'll ever want to go into an office again. But I think a large majority, you know, sales, sales, for example, when we have to train new people, it's difficult, right? Junior entry-level people, it's really difficult to train them remotely. Not, not because we don't have the tools to do it, but because a lot of that learning comes from being right next to the senior person or hearing that cold call that they make. And so... You know, I think the people that will always want to be remote are the people that have proven themselves, that don't need hand-holding, that, you know, that can get their work done. And, and, and the people that are going to suffer and why I think we'll see this movement back to offices or, or hybrid or certain types of roles go back because for, for these, you know, entry-level folks. I think, I think a lot of these kids graduating from college right now are are a little lost. And I think it's primarily because they don't have anyone showing them the ropes. They don't have anyone holding them accountable to when they're in the office or to when they leave. And, and not that someone needs to be there with a the stick, like, hey, get here on time. Just that 
okay, this is what you do, right? We only know how to walk because as babies, we watch our parents walk all the time. And it's the same thing with career. Um, you know, we only know what the right thing to do is because people are telling us or we're watching or we're making the decision what's right. You know, this person is doing well and they're doing these things. This person's not doing well and they're just doing these things. And you can't, mm -hmm. you don't get that remotely. Mm -hmm. Um so I think from a trend, that's kind of what I'm what I think will happen. Um, but you know, what how how do I keep people engaged and motivated through remote work? You know, I think it I think you have to keep people together. You can't lose that personal touch. So, you know, I've tried to do a lot of team building, team bonding things. A lot of it's been on Zoom, but you know, we're we're doing more get-togethers where people fly in and see each other. You know, I give them unlimited PTO uh, and I encourage them to take it. Uh, you know, literally, they never have to tell me why. It's just automatic. They put it in, gets approved. Yeah, I empower them to, to work their schedule that they want. Mm -hmm. You know, and as long as they're hitting their goals, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I don't need to micromanage them. You know, but... But I think at the end of the day, it's a moving target. And in six months, they might say, you know, they want something different. And, you know, we'll listen to the feedback. And if it makes sense, we'll give it to them. And, and I think that's the key being remote is you can't build a culture around the office and the free snacks and the ping pong table. And you have to build a culture based on what they're asking for at the time. Mm, very well said. As we're getting to the end here, my last question's for you. First of all, leadership. We know that's also why people stay or leave. What is the best leadership advice you've ever been given or, or have told others? Interesting. So <laughs> I definitely won't say I've given great leadership advice. Some might say I have, but I won't I won't toot my horn. I don't know if I have anything to say. Uh, so there's two things I think that I preach all the time. And both of these things were told to me. So the first one, John Cushman, one of the, I guess he was a founder of Cushman and Wakefield. He said, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And that stuck with me my entire career. And I tell that to every single person that works for me. The harder you work, the luckier you will get. And then the second was Ed Breen. Uh, he's the uh, former CEO of Tyco Corp, you know, Fortune 10 level CEO. And I had the opportunity to talk to him. And he told me the best way to build trust with somebody is to tell them you're going to do something and do it. And so I preach that too. And those two things, I, I I mean, literally, I think if my team listens to this, they're going to be like, wow, I'm disappointed that those two things didn't come from you because that's all you talk about. First of all, trust is everything. And delivering on the promise is what you're saying. That is literally why customers stay or leave. So you're right. It's It applies internally and externally as well. My question about lucky, the harder you work lucky, isn't it also right place, right time? Oh, I mean, it's the same one and the same thing, right? If you're not, yeah. if you're not working hard, if you're not 
getting the at-bats, then you won't be in the right place. Um, yeah. You know, it's I, I'm a big sports guy. And, and so I always, you know, tell people, look, a, bat, a great batting average for a professional MLB player is like 300. And what that means is seven out of 10 times they strike out or they, you know, they get out. And so they just have, you just have to keep getting in the batter's box. You have to keep trying. You have to keep working hard and you'll get lucky. And you only need three times, you know, as a batter, three out of 10 times to get lucky and hit a home run or get on base and you're a success. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it doesn't have to be every time and you'll get knocked down and you just have to get lucky and be in the right place at the right time. And you do that by working hard. Agree. If there were many CEOs and entrepreneurs, leaders in my room right now, what's the one takeaway? What do you want them to know about recruitment and hiring the right people? The one thing, the obvious thing is hire CRB. That's the simple (laughs) thing. If any CEOs listening, just sign us up. We'll take care of you. Right. The Um, second thing. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, you've got this undersupply of talent. And I and I don't think it's exclusive to, you know, just engineering and product. I think generally it's the same and across across different industries. And so I think, you know, what leaders should be thinking is, you know, focusing more on potential. You know, as as we continue to be squeezed for good talent, I think we need to start developing our young people better. And shifting away from, you know, looking for people that that are doing the job and look and start looking at people that can do the job. Mm. And I think if we start doing that, we'll set ourselves up for, you know, another really good, you know, 60, 70 years of talented people. Mm. Well, my 20-year-old uh, two, I can't even call them kids, but <laughs> I relate to what you're saying because it's um, they're so talented. So I, I agree on that too. And finally, if you could go back to your younger self, 20-year-old Sam, based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you say to you? 20-year-old Sam, let's see. Um, don't spend your money on limos and bottle service. Uh <laughs> Invest in Bitcoin. Um, shorten my memory. That's a big one. I tell people all the time. Have a very short memory, and probably read read more books. I, I reading books has been game changing for me, and I only started that about I don't know six seven years ago. Mm. Love that, and it's never too late. Never too late. Never too late. Bitcoin too. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Sam, so much for being here. And I'm going to put your website and LinkedIn on in the show notes so people can find you. And thank you for being here again. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Yes. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacy Sherman, Doing CX Right.